All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody welcome to dropping the gloves with john and tim tim what's going on my man hey john what's happening not much how was your week how was your valentine's day how was your weekend how's it going you know it was good uh the hockey started again last night for the first time in like i don't know a couple of months since before christmas i think i know my team's been uh, we have a big text thread and they're trying to figure out who's coming back who's going to finish the season what the roster looks like i'm not going back i'm not doing it as long as Simon's there, they'll be all right. Simon is our best defenseman. So for our listeners who don't know my hockey team, Simon, he played professionally for a few years in Europe, and he played for the Toronto Marlies. And um, he's super skilled, like insane. He's probably six five, super soft hands, really, really good player. He's our, he's our best player by far, without me in the lineup. That's obviously – that's Obviously. That's obviously without go without saying. But anyways, yeah, I, I opted out for the season. So I had to tell them, listen, I'm, I haven't played a game all year. And so I was like, I'm, I'm done. They didn't care. They're like, we've already moved on. <laughs> they didn't care at all. But they got, I, I think they got smoked last night. Oh, so, the boys were firing in all cylinders last night. It was a high-scoring game. We won 9-6. to six. You played my team? No. I, no. Different I was going to say, you're not in the A division. Yeah. Did you score, Tim? I did. I scored two goals. I should have had more. Really? A couple breakaways I didn't bury, but yeah. What's your move on a breakaway? Do you shoot or do you deke? I deke. I usually go backhand. Um, And in leagues like this, it usually does pretty well, but they they stopped me a couple times. Do you fake shot or do you fake a deke? What do you do then go backhand? Yeah, just like a little drop the shoulder, hand stick movement, and then go backhand. With this league, if you go side to side and with any kind of speed, you should be able to beat the goalie to the post. I, I don't think their lateral movement is where it should be. But anyways, good for you, Tim. You, so I you talked have, to, yeah, I talked to one five-hole last night on a breakaway. That was pretty sweet. Oh, Backhand. Johnny Taves. Yeah. Backhand five-hole. Yeah. So you caught the goalie sliding across. Nice. Yeah, I came down the left side, and I'm a lefty, so perfect. That's a savvy. I don't have that in my my bag. I, I shoot on a breakaway. I just was, pick a pick a corner and go for it. I think it was tied like four to four at that time too. So it was a risky move. But how are you, you getting you know? all these? 
How do you get all these breakaways? What's going on with the defense in this league? I got speed to burn on the outside, John. Oh, it makes me sick to hear that. It honestly does. Because <laughs> I've never seen you skate, but I can just imagine uh, uh, this league must not be very good. Anyways, good for you, Tim. <laughs> Nine to six. Congratulations. Yeah. On your way to another championship, perhaps. Then you can start coaching. Life is, life is good. You know, everything's back to normal. Yeah, well, b- before I coach, I think I'd like to finish, get better at managing my fantasy hockey team right now. I'm in worse place than the guy who didn't show up for the draft and like auto-drafted like the worst picks. So I am not doing great, mostly because of my goalie department, but we made a big trade just Who's in today. first place? Who's in first place? Uh, I don't know. Some guy from Minnesota. I don't know. No, I am in first place by a large margin. I was going to win last week, but all of a sudden we, we tied. And at the last minute, his guys just crushed at the last day and tied me with a bunch of stuff so we tied 3-3 and we pushed on 4 but I'm killing it I'm like 28-5-2 and two. like I'm just crushing everybody so I feel bad when I get bored of just crushing people I like to make trades and Tim like you said needed the goaltender I have goalies for days I have Connor Hellebuck I have Tuka Rask and I have Braden Holpe who will turn the corner when the Vancouver Canucks get their act together so Tim approached me, and we swung a deal. Tim, why don't you tell everyone the deal? I don't, I don't know if anybody cares about this, but I think it's interesting. I, I'm all in on this fantasy hockey thing now. I think it's really fun. Yeah, it's a big trade. It's a big one. Um, and we had a couple – so, Let me put you off there. Is, it, is there really a point to doing a little trade in fantasy hockey? Like just yeah. trading the third-line guys? What's the point? Well, no, but like a one-for-one, one, hey, I got plenty of wingers, I need defense, make a one-for-one yeah. one trade. I like doing six, seven-player deals. <laughs> yeah, you do. So this is an eight-player deal. Uh, and I need goalies, like we said. So I traded away Merz Lickens, the Columbus goalie, John Carlson, which is tough. He's not having a great season so far, though. I feel like I'm selling low. Connor Garland, selling high on him. He's playing really well. And Brad Marchand. Four, Hellebuck, Joe Pavelski, Steven Stamkos, and Tyson Berry. I think it's an even trade. I, I like this for my team, especially given my needs. You needed a goaltender. I do not need a goaltender. I got Tuka Rask. I think Holpe. I'm going to pick up a goal in the waiver wire. We'll figure it out. I sold high on Pavelski. He started the season on fire. There's no way he sustains this pace. Dallas is not this high scoring of a team. He, he, can't, he can't sustain this pace. Stamkos, I get nervous with him, with his injury bug. I honestly do. He, he's playing really well. He really is. He's a left wing, right wing. He's got that going for him. But boy, oh boy, does he get hurt all the time. And Tyson Berry, I think him and Carlson are a wash. I think at the end of the season, Carlson ends up with more points. But, you know, I I think that's a push. I just like Carlson more. And also I have Darnell Nurse, who's playing pretty well in the back end. And I didn't want to have two defensemen from the same team. So, I don't know. We'll see how it all shakes out. So far, my trading um, record has been immaculate. I traded Connor McDavid or Dreinsidel for Connor McDavid and David Pasternak. That's doing pretty well for me. You know what that I mean? Is. I, I, I think I'm doing okay. I think you get the best player in this deal with Hellebuck, but I get the second best player with Marshawn. We'll see how it goes, Tim. Do you remember being on the phone or on video during the draft? And I already had Laner at this point, and I was like, I kind of want to take Flurry just to have both Vegas goalies. And he told me, no, it's a stupid thing. Don't do that. You don't want that. And then look at Mark, what Flurry's done this year. Have you been following this at all? You picked the wrong goalie. Uh, I guess, but he was supposed to be the guy. It's yeah, like it's a- very strange what Vegas has done with their goaltending situation. Any, any hockey historian, anybody who like 
thinks they're really in the know on hockey would just shake their head at what's what's gone on in Vegas the last few seasons. It, it's really strange what they're doing. Like they they signed Laner to a big deal. They already have Flurry to a big deal, and the, both goalies are unbelievable. That's the thing. You have a great asset, and yeah, it's great to have a one and a one. But I don't know. Like why not trade one of these guys to get? someone who can help your team on a nightly basis. Once you get to the playoffs, you can't play these guys every night. You go with one goalie. I, I don't know. I, I still don't know what they're doing here, but go ahead. Yeah. So Fleury has just been playing out of his mind. Um, he had another shutout last night, 29 saves. It's his third win in four nights. So speaking of fantasy, like I, my guy's just not getting starts. I didn't hit my goalie minimum for the week last week. Cause <laughs> just cause Lane was not getting between the pipes. So the cool thing with Fleury, he's allowed two goals in his last nine periods, and he's like pretty much leading the league in every goalie category. He's seven and one, one point three eight goals against, nine four two save percentage. In contrast, Laner is three and one, obviously because he's on a good team. His uh, save percentage is eight ninety, goals against is two point nine six, which is more than double what Fleury's is. It's a tale of two cities right now. It's interesting to see uh, some of the rumors that have coming up with Flurry's name. You mentioned one, not a rumor, but a, a trade scenario where, uh, what did you say, Edmonton should go out and get Flurry? Yes. So um, there's rumors happening this week from Bob McKenzie that the Penguins, during their GM search, were also making some calls on Flurry on returning him to Pittsburgh, which would be pretty cool. And it's been well known that Flurry wants to finish his career there. I'm sure the boys would love to have him. Yeah, it's – I don't know what – Vegas is such a wild card. George McPhee, he, he assembled this ragtag group of players, and now it's, it's become a destination for players. And they're a legit Stanley Cup contender. You think they would take advantage of having this asset where you look around the league and teams have glaring weaknesses at the goaltending position. Teams that are supposed to compete – we talked about a Vancouver with Holpe, not really fitting in there. Pittsburgh, what are they going to do there? Edmonton, it's been a thing they've talked about for years and years and years. They can take advantage of this situation, trade Marc-Andre Fleury, even Robin Lehner, and get a really, really good player back and help your team. But that's the thing with Vegas. What do they need? Honestly, they have an unbelievable decor. They have an exciting group of forwards. They are set to win. They could use some depth maybe. But even that, like, they have a really, really solid four lines. They have a pretty solid 6D, you know, D group. It's just their salary cap. So if, if anything, this could help their salary cap if they did have a bump in the road, if they, they got an injury bug or something happened. This, this could maybe give them a little bit of flexibility. But, man, what, what a luxury to be the Vegas Golden Knights right now, to have arguably the top two goalies, not in the league, but two of the top ten, and to have people just – suiting you like coming after you saying hey please we want flurry and flurry doesn't get the recognition that that he deserves i honestly believe he will go down as one of the top five goalies of all time and he never he never wins a, a individual award he never gets the recognition at the end of the season he's having an unbelievable season right now and no one's talking about him like he he's top 10 in wins he's top 10 in saves like he's top 10 in all these top, lists top three in all top those three things. And no one ever talks about him. Everyone's like, oh, Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur, all these other goalies, Dominic Kasich, um, all these other goalies. No one ever mentions Marc-Andre Fleury. And I, and I don't know why. He, he killed it when he was with Pittsburgh. He's done nothing but succeed in Vegas. And he just gets overlooked time and time again to the point where the Vegas Golden Knights went out and got a goalie because they weren't confident in Marc-Andre Fleury. 
it's it's so strange to me that the people keep questioning his skill. Uh, I don't know. Do you see it differently? Because to me, I just shake my head. Like, why why does this guy constantly get overlooked? Yeah, I don't know. The numbers have always been there. Um, it's just one of those things like Pittsburgh moved on from him and then he proved him wrong. And now it's like, is he going to move? Are they going to trade him again? Uh, the Knights? Or are they going to stick with him? What are they going to do with the salary cap? Because you're right. They don't have any needs, right? There's no weaknesses. There's no like, hey, we got Flurry, we got Valena, we could trade one of them and finally get like a legit number one defenseman because they have that. They have the, the high scoring guys, they have the depth players, they have the shutdown deep men. Like they don't really have needs. So it gives them a lot of, I mean, it's hard to think of a team in better shape when you think of the, the makeup of their roster uh, and the execution on the ice. It's, uh, the Knights are just really the class of the league right there. Um, yeah. And then this is, this is the problem with the Vegas Golden Knights now is though. The only red flag with, with their goaltenders is Robin Lanner. He has a history of mental illness. He, he's talked about it outright. He, he's came public with it. He, he deals with it. And he opted out of a game this week where he said, I, I can't play. No one knows the reason. He decided not to dress or warm up. He came to the rink that night and said, I can't play. So I, I might be speculating. There's, there's no you know, facts out there that, I, that I've seen, but this is – and I don't want to call it a problem, but it is when you're a GM and you got to, you got to dress 20 guys for a game. If your starting goaltender, who you invested all this money in, isn't reliable to start on any given night because he has some kind of illness, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's whatever, can you rely on him? And, and this has been the issue with Robin Lanner. He, he is an all-world talent between the pipes, but he does have, you know, this problem. And I'm not, I'm trying to just toe the line carefully here because it is a very sensitive issue. But when you look at it, when it's black and white, it's like, I need a guy who can go out there and be reliable. Like, I know this guy is a Vesna candidate every single year when he's on, when he's in, when he's in the game, but can he get in the game? Can he get his head straight and get, get, you know, in that mental state where he needs to perform? And like, I don't know, like as a GM, you can, would you put all your eggs in that basket? I don't know. That that's a tricky situation because if you trade Flurry and all of a sudden Robin has you know some issues and he has to take some time away and take care of his issues, then what are you going to do? You know, you've went from two of the best goalies in the league to having nothing. So I I don't know what the answer is. I'm sure George McVie has weighed that, and he's like, I'm not going to gamble. I'm not going to do this. So we'll see what happens. What do you, I don't know, Tim? Do you do you honestly see Vegas trading Flurry at this point in the season? Not at this point. I think it would be uh, a deadline thing, if anything, just thinking ahead to their salary cap stuff. If they can trade him, get something for it, and have a, a cleaner salary cap from the offseason, possibly. But Laner, just, man, you, you want to root for him. And obviously, he's playing just way below what he's capable of. So, like, uncharacteristically bad right now. So, it's got to be something else going on. Maybe it's a nagging injury. Maybe it's something with his mental, his mental space. But... Um, Obviously, you want them to do well, but the, still, the, the Golden Knights are atop that division. They they played two less games than the team behind them, and they're still winning in points. So this team's going to be a, an absolute wagon down the stretch. And uh, <laughs> yeah. by the way, did you see uh, Line A drop the gloves the other day? I did not. Who do you fight? Uh, I don't know. Some guy in Chicago, Hample or something like that. Um, but in the two games since he got benched, He's got a goal and an assist, and he had his first fight, which I believe is his first fight ever. I could, I was yeah. doing some research. I couldn't find anything else. Um, so you can you can imagine that that whatever Torch said to him or did to him lit a fire under his butt. 
And then Cam Atkinson, he has seven points in the three games since being on line A's line with this third guy, that Roslovic kid who came over on that trade. He was like a throw-in. He's got four goals, five assists, nine points in nine games as a Blue Jacket. He's centering one of the hottest lines in hockey right now. And he's doing it in like you know, incredible fashion. Some of these dangles are just like, they're incredible. This, he's, he's got really good hands. He's finishing the puck. Um, you got to think that Torch is probably patting himself on the back right now, don't you think? Well, yeah, when you, when you get that kind of response from a player you've challenged, and that's what he did. He publicly challenged him. Sorry, I'm eating peanuts right now, Tim. It's, it's very rude. <laughs> is this I'm a bad hungry. time, John? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm snacking. I know when you get on your tangents, I got at least a couple minutes to – have a couple of legumes, <laughs> but anyways, he he's got to be patting himself on his back. And this is he airs his laundry publicly and line a, a little fire under him. Obviously, he doesn't want to be embarrassed. He he wants to go out and perform. He line a has an ego. He he wants to be the best player on the ice. He he wants to have the headlines in the papers and this and that. So you know he went out and he did what he had to do. He almost did get a Gordie Howe hat trick earlier this season with Winnipeg. We got a goal and assist, and he had a. It's a pseudo fight where he dropped his mitts, but they only gave him a – I think it was a four-minute double double roughing or whatever. But anyways, Matt, like you said, the real steal of this trade is this Roslovich character. The GM of Columbus, when this trade went down, he said, line is great. He is, like, going to be a bona fide star. He already is. This Roslovich kid is going to be a top six forward on our team. And he's killing it right now. He's a good player. He gets up and down the ice. I don't know. If they traded away Dubois, who was their number one centerman, and they get Roslovich back, who right now slots in as their number one center, and they get Line A to boot. This trade's looking pretty good for Columbus if, if everything kind of pans out the way it's – mind you, it's only a couple weeks after the trade. Dubois is injured, so he's not playing. But I don't know. This, this GM from Columbus seems to be pushing all the right buttons. And this is a really good trade for them because if this guy, you know, pans out and is even a fraction of the player that Dubois is, and you get Line A also in that deal – Come on, like that's that's a pretty good trade. But again, I don't think this is gonna last. This is a honeymoon period for Line A. Torch challenged him. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna get in every lane, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna finish all my checks. That goes away. That energy level goes away. It's gonna be a roller coaster between these two for the rest of the season. Like it, it, that's how it goes. Uh, what's it called? A tiger can't change his stripes. So Line A, this is not his type of game. He's a perimeter player. He likes to just get lost in the play. He likes to find the soft spots. That's not the type of player John Tortorella likes. He likes the guy who plays between the dots, gets up and down the ice, finishes his checks, gets in the lane, hustles to the bench, hustles on the ice when he gets on, called to go on the ice. That's a Tortorella player. That's not a line A. That's not his MO. So, I don't know. This will be interesting to kind of keep our eye on for the rest of the season. I mean, yeah, you're probably right, but you still got to give Line A credit for responding to the criticism, oh, yeah. responding to, to Torts' coaching style. Um, and I was just thinking, like, this is kind of – it was perfect, right? He actually hit a lethal snipe in the slot there, and then he also just dropped the mitts um, in response to one of – that guy, Hampel, I think his name is, um, actually hit that Roslovic kid. He didn't like the hit, so he immediately kind of dropped him and, and went at it. And you got to respect that. But and I hate to be like a wet blanket, but all I was thinking about, especially going back to what we were talking about last week, what what if he broke his hand on this fight, right? Oh, like towards send a message, and then they got this superstar winger shedding the mitts because he thinks that's what he needs to do in order to stay in this league or stay in this lineup, right? And then what if he broke his hand? What if he misses like five months with a a hand or shoulder injury or something like that? Like then what? Is that really kind of the message that Torch wants to be sending to his guys? 
Yeah, he probably would say, yeah. What if he breaks his hand blocking a shot? Torts would love that. Yeah. I think it's it's part of the game. I don't I don't know. It is what it is. I, I've broken my hand dozens of times in a fight. It's you never you don't miss a game unless you like like I ripped my thumb off in a fight where I saw the bone. I missed one game. No big deal. Is that right? Is it AHL? Is it also true that you don't have a TV in your house? Did you hear that? Honestly, yeah. did you hear that? I think Danielle told me. That's true. I just you know what? It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle decision. I I'm not better than you. I'm not saying that. Just different. I'm <laughs> just different. It's just the way I live my life. I like to get out and enjoy my life. I like to get outside. I'm a contrarian to the norm in society right now. Everybody's on their screens looking at that blue light. I like to drink my blue light and get outside. Boom! Sponsorship, Labat Blue Light. Give it to me. What's up? All right, everybody, listen up. Your company's salary cap is probably tighter than it's ever been, and you can't afford to miss on a new hire. Every person you add needs to fit just right, just like Tim does on the podcast. He fits perfect. That's where Indeed helps you hire great people faster. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality short list faster. Now, you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed right now. Listen up. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed's best offer anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Anyways. Another trade went down. The most traded man in hockey the last few years, Alex Galchenyuk. Can you can you wrap your head around this player? Or like what what when you when I say Alex Galchenyuk, what what pops in your head right away when you think about this kid? Just uh, disappointing is really it because he's such a talented guy. I remember maybe about five years ago. He had that kind of breakout season where he had 30 goals, something like 55 points for the Canadians. And kind of like, I remember going into that following year, he was on everyone's radar for like a big, you know, he was going to break out in a big way, be a point per game guy. Um, And he's never even scored 20 goals since. I was looking at it this morning. And then obviously you have to question like, this is just fifth team in five years, right? That's not a coincidence. Anyone can get traded, but five teams in five years, that there's got to be something to that, right? Yeah, and this is funny when you think about this guy. The the first thing that pops into your head is he's super talented. Is he? Is he really super talented? Or did he just have a couple good years in Montreal? He was surrounded by some pretty good players and he, he just, you know, he he got lucky and put some points on the on the board. Because a lot of guys, no offense, score 30 goals. I know it's a crazy thing to say, but it, it's pretty normal now to score 30 goals if you're an elite player then uh that would zach smith did right he had like 20 something 25 yeah. 30 that year that he scored 30 goals there was 20 guys who had more goals than he did 20 so to to say that he like was an elite guy it, like okay here's the list of guys who had 30 goals or more panarin 
Kyle Palmieri, Max Pacioretty, Boone Jenner, Adam Enrique, Gaudreau, Louis Erickson, Deshane, Tyler Toffoli, Brandon Saad, James Neal, who just got released, Wayne Simmons, Bergeron, Tavares, Spezza, Sagan, Forsberg, Perry, Stamkos. Really, really good players. Galchenyuk got lucky. That's what I honestly think about this guy. He was playing with Pacioretty. He was playing with good players around him, and he just caught fire in a bottle for that one season. And he's been fooling people ever since. GMs love to get a reclamation project and to go, you know what? I'm going to make this guy – like he had that one good year. I got it. I'm, I'm going to get him. We're going to turn back the clock, and I'm going to just – it's going to be great. The Blackhawks tried to do it for years when they would bring back all – we're going to get Patrick Sharp again, and he's going to score 70 points, and it's going to be great. We're going to get Dave Boland back, and he's going to be a pest, and it's going to be fantastic. We're going to get Brian Campbell. He's the player we used to – you know, it's going to be great. GMs love doing this. They have such a, a long-term memory and a romance of players. It's like, oh. Remember when he scored 30 goals with the Canadians? I got him. And now look at him. He's jumped from Arizona to Pittsburgh to Minnesota to Ottawa. Now he's in Carolina. He just got put on waivers and no one picked him up. If I, I've said this all along when I was playing. If you can have a solid first or second year in the NHL and make a good impression in the NHL, you're set for the next five to six years, without a doubt. Because once you get that first impression with all the GMs in the league – that's how they remember you. And you are set for a job every, every off season because some GM will be like, oh, man, John Scott, I remember playing against him. He was a hard prick to play against. We've got to have him on our team, even if I played terrible that year. Because they, they just remember you as this person. And this is what's happening with Galchenyuk. He's a super skilled player. No, he's not. No, he's not. He, he scored a couple goals one year. Look at, look at his stats since. He Okay. Broke in nine goals in a shortened season. Good. He had 13 the next year, 20 the next year, 30. That was his big season. In a full season, he played 82 games. After that, 17, 19, 19, 8, 5, 3, 1. He's not a skilled player. He's done. He had, I don't know, stop me if I'm wrong, Tim. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're really not. It kind of makes me think of like, that guy who's just a jerk and he keeps all these girls keep dating him because they're like, oh, I can change him. I can I can turn him around. I can write this ship. It'll be different this time. And it's not right. It's never different. And I don't know what the GMs are thinking. I mean, you're probably right. It's just that that romantic memory of him being 23 years old, scoring 30 goals, thinking, you know what? I can get that player again. And he's available for pretty cheap right now. If I bring him to my my club and and give him a chance, he can do it again. And I'll look like a genius. And it's just not working out. It's just not happening. Um, I don't know. Like, why? Why is that? Why you think he keeps getting those chances? Yes, yes. He he had he had two good years in Montreal, without a doubt. That's that's it. He's not a good defensive player. He was minus thirty one his last <laughs> year in Montreal. Minus thirty one. Like that's that's hard to do. He was I, minus nineteen his his first year in Arizona. Like he's not a good player. I honestly thought he could turn it around in Pittsburgh, playing on Malkin's line, uh, and give him a chance on those top two lines. Nothing. If you cannot succeed in Pittsburgh playing with Crosby and Malkin and those playmakers, you're not going to make it. Honestly, 
You're not going to go into Minnesota and all of a sudden set the world on fire. <gasps> oh, I'm playing with – who's in Minnesota? I don't even know who's in Minnesota. Eric Jason Stahl. Zucker. Zuckerberg. He's, it's just not going to happen. You're playing with these world-class players and you still can't put points on the board. You finished a season with 17 points in Pittsburgh. Give me a break. Honestly, this guy has been playing with borrowed time for the last three years now. He was good for a few years. He's done. He's honest, honestly done. I played with Peter Callis in Minnesota. <laughs> I remember that guy. That name. He's he on scored, the Bruins. He scored five goals in his first five games, and he was terrible. He was a not a good hockey player. He managed to eke out three years because of that first five games. Another name, Aaron Voros, I played with. Yeah, I remember him. He came out of the gate. He fought everybody. He had long hair. He was just a wild animal. He had a decent first year where he scored a couple goals. He got into a lot of fights. He managed to eke out a five- or six-year career because of that first year in Minnesota. And he got signed a big deal with New York Rangers. Guys do this. Your first and second year is your audition. And if you can turn some heads, it, people don't forget. It, it's unbelievable. So, I don't know. Galchenyuk will go away. He'll go back and play in Europe somewhere, and he'll have a really successful career. But his time is done. Like, he, he has to – I don't know. I'm sure he'll – he'll catch on with some team who Arizona or something again, who maybe they can change him now that Chikrin's gone. I don't know. He's been fooling everybody for years. He really, really has. He'll probably lead the KHL in points next year. He will. And you'll think he's going to be a hall of famer because apparently (laughs) their stats matter. Their stats do matter, John, but not, come on. They don't. They don't at all. You could play your whole career in the KHL and be the best player every single year. You do not belong in the hall of fame. Agreed. No, you don't. Last episode, you were arguing for uh, Koval, Kovalchuk. Yeah, because of both bodies of work in both leagues. It's not saying that he, he succeeded in the NHL, too. Not very long. That, Scoring, oh, come on. If you just take his NHL stats, he is not a Hall of Famer. Not even close. Agreed. We get to take a total body of work. No, you don't. Yes, NHL you do. NHL stats are just chucked out the window. No, they're I mean, not. You no, just they're made not. that case. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame, John. It's not, you're going to two extremes. It, okay. If it's the Hockey Hall of Fame, then if you're the best player in the KHL for two decades, you should make the Hockey Hall of Fame. No, because then you the, should. Then it's you, not the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's the yes, NHL Hall of Fame. No, but you need to have both. Like Olympi- You should be having a successful NHL career that was shortened when he went to a different league and was succeed- successful there too. No, and he I won a couple it. of championships in the KHL, including an MVP. He lost his chance at the Hall of Fame when he left the NHL. The only You're stats that right. matter, the yeah. only stats that matter in the, in the Hall of Fame are the NHL and the Olympics. That's it. That's it. Because I could go play in Argentina right now and crush it, and get 200 points a season and be MVP, and I, I would make the Hall of Fame though, because it's it's a league. Traverse <laughs> City Men's League. Hey. It's it's a league. It's a professional league. I get paid in uh, delicious Bud Lights. So what are you going to do? Anyways, my man's back, Tim. Which one? You got a lot of men. I do, but it's it's the big guy. It's Jumbo. He's back. He's did the Leafs miss him? Honestly. Uh, Yeah, of course they did. Yeah, on the ice and. He got two points in five games. Let's let's not romanticize Jumbo like all the GMs are doing with Galchenyuk. At this point in his career, he, he's a serviceable player. They're going to slot him in on the first line again. Hope mistake? They do. Is that a mistake? Mm, 
maybe yeah just given their success recently right like why mess with that right i, I don't understand the reasoning behind uh, keith but he seems to be pushing all the right buttons this year because they are firing on all cylinders i'm excited to see him back you know he broke his rib or cracked his rib i don't know i've never broke a rib but i have you know bruised a rib it's very painful yeah, it, it, it does not feel good i can't imagine being 43 coming back from an injury and just jumping right back into the nhl and just having a go back at it but good for him he's back i was thinking tim and and i never talked to you about this before the show i was thinking about the divisions and are we putting too many chips in toronto's basket calling them you know such a great team really praising them when all they're doing is playing the same six teams and i was just thinking how hard is it to gauge a team based on their competition because what if the north division is just dog dog poo you know what i mean what if all those teams are just terrible and toronto is the team we've always known for all these years but they're just not playing anybody good like what if montreal is just winning all these games because ottawa is a train wreck vancouver has regressed so much this year calgary and edmonton haven't really taken any steps and winnipeg's just a bad team and they just get to play these softballs night in and night out. Don't you think that could be a possibility where the North Division is just not that good? I think it's a real possibility, especially when you think about, like, in the playoffs, them having to play at one of these powerhouse teams from outside their division. Like, if they got to go against the Boston, obviously that's their, their, you know, the devil on their shoulder. But Tampa even, or one of those teams out West Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, like, how are they going to stash against those teams? I don't know. I don't know. And that's the really that's this is the only problem with this format. Well, there's a lot of problems with it, but this is the main one because yes, you you deal you do build these rivalries, but then if you get a team's number, you can just run the board and you you don't have any competition, you don't have any adversity. Toronto seems to have everybody's number in this division. You know, they seem to have their way with Edmonton. Ottawa obviously is an afterthought. There's problems with Calgary and all these issues with Vancouver Toronto's the only one who seems to have their act together and they're not having any issues they're 11 three and one their last 10 they're eight one and one what happens when you go to the first round of the playoffs and you're playing a team like St. Louis or a team like Vegas or a team like Colorado who have been playing pretty difficult hockey games throughout the season because those three teams that I just listed Colorado Vegas and St. Louis they could arguably be one two three in the northern division if, if you throw them in there. Isn't there something to be said for peaking too early, too? I mean, even in a shortened season, there's going to be highs and lows, ebbs and flows of, a, of a, an NHL season. And they're playing, I mean, really the best they can play tw- tw- 15 games in. You know, is there something, are you worried about that at all? Or is that not an issue with a shorter season? I don't know. I think you could can get a little complacent. And that's another issue with this schedule is it's like you look at the schedule it's like man i gotta play winnipeg three times this week it's just like ah here we go like i know we're gonna win we're a better team than they are all they have is a goaltender and it just kind of it gets ho-hum to the point where it's like you coast through the season and yeah they have the veteran presence where they can jack it up you know when the playoffs start but i don't know this is the one thing where I, i can see this hurting toronto because all the other divisions they seem to have teams that you know, the, the division that the Vegas Golden Knights are in the West, there's three good teams. The other five are just train wrecks. And I, I, train wrecks is a, is a strong word, but Anaheim, Arizona, Minnesota, 
you know, they're, they're bad. San Jose and LA are, they're not good. The, uh, the central division, it's just Tampa Bay. This is another division where it could be tricky. Is Florida very good? We don't know. Columbus, they made some moves in the offseason. They're having issues with their coach and everything. Chicago, like, are they that good? Honestly, though, Dallas and Nashville and Detroit, they're not very good teams. Dallas has came down to earth after their hot start. It's just a division where, is Tampa that good? They're 10-2-1. If you put them in a good division, what does their record look like? So the East is the only one where I think you can look at that roster. You can look at that division top to bottom and say, okay, there were some bona fide good teams in here. There was some hard-fought battles night in and night out. Whoever comes out of this mass mutual East, I think has to be the, the front runner going into the playoffs. Or conversely, is it these guys are just going to beat each other into the ground for 50, 56 games and they're going to come to the playoffs and be like, oh my gosh, like I am worn out. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see once we get to game 40, 45, where this shakes out. But it, it, is a, it is an interesting thing to think about as far as like, what if this division is just a bunch of schlubs and then they get to the playoffs and then they just get swept. Boston sweeps Toronto four straight and it's not even close. Like how, how great is this going to look for Gary Bettman? Oh, I would love that. I would absolutely love it. It, it would be interesting. I don't know. And then another thing that comes out of this schedule. So teams have been put in lockdown. Minnesota got put in lockdown. Um, Colorado got put in lockdown. New Jersey. New Jersey got put in lockdown. A couple other teams. So the schedule worked out where the Blues and the Coyotes played seven straight games. Isn't that incredible? It, it's the first time and the last time this will ever happen in a non-playoff series. In the regular season, two teams, Tim, two teams played seven times in a row. Like, that's insane. Number seven tonight, I think. Yeah. Like, you get tired of playing the same team twice in a row. I can't imagine playing seven times in a row one team. I don't know. I can't even wrap my head around this. Like, I played seven-game series in a playoffs when there's something to play for. But in the first, like, 20 games of the season and, you, and you've played 12, 13, 14 games, and seven of those have been versus one team, it's crazy. So it's pretty interesting. It's funny thinking about Phil. He's probably just so bored and annoyed they're playing this team again, you know. Feel the well, thr- he probably hates it, especially playing St. Louis because they play such a hard-nosed style. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Come on. You're going to finish that check? I, get, ugh, I can only uh, imagine That's it, boys. I'm done. I'm done tonight. I, I don't not have it anymore. Not doing it. Not doing it. it. I'm not going to get that puck. I'm just going to get hit again. Not I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Bloody. I'm going to get him on the show. <laughs> so good. Not doing it. I'm not going to back check. I'm just going to get hit again. Krug's been all over me. not going to do it. Who's their coach? Rick Tockett? Tucker. <laughs> Come on, man. You're killing me. That's too funny. What else, Tim? We got anything else? No, that's really it. Um, that's really it. I'm just really th- happy with the way the Bruins are playing. 8-1-1 in the last 10. They just won, I think, five or six games in a row. And it's just anyone who doubted them just looking not too smart right now. I doubted them big time. Well, when you look at their offseason, how could you predict this? Honestly. Yeah. They, they'd made no moves. They brought in Smith, which is looking like a pretty good move. I just think they're getting production from guys who were unexpected. Like Nick Ritchie, he's been playing really well. Who knew? And, and their top guys are really blowing the doors off it this year. Pasternak came back. He's an MVP candidate right there. He is just blowing it up. Marshawn has not lost a step. Krejci's been playing pretty well. Like these guys – it's amazing the longevity that they have. And when you look at the Boston lineup, you go, okay, I'm going to shut down this top line. 
we're going to go after Marshawn. We're going to go after um, Bergeron. And we're going to shut down these guys. And, and no one can do it. So it's very exciting. I hope they continue. When, when it seems like Boston's doing well, the league's doing good. But, hey, hold on. Where is Ryan Nugent Hopkins right now, Tim, in the scoring race? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, I was having a good season. You were pretty high on him preseason. It, yes, but my, my bold prediction was I'm going to get three Edmonton Oilers in the top five of scoring. So as predicted, McDavid and Dreinsidel are one and two. But our, our G, uh, Ryan, RNG, we got to get him going. I don't know where he is. He, he has been producing as of late but he's, he's not even in the top 50. So it's, it's not even a, a conversation right now. And he, oh, well, there he was, Tim. We just passed him. We just passed him. Hold on. We're, you're moving too fast. What are you doing with your computer? Scrolling. Well, you're just, too, you're just driving me crazy. That was Tyson Berry. Anyways, everybody, I want to talk about Duncan Keith next episode. He was just in the news for his breathing thing. Is that what you want to talk about? Yeah, I read an interesting article on him, and I have so many funny stories about him and how eccentric he is and the different things that he does. And I, Conversely, where people romanticize Galchenyuk and just try to get, you know, I, I, he's going to be so good, this and that. I think people are underestimating Duncan Keith and how great he's been for 15 years in Chicago. Like just how stable he's been back – on that blue line for that team for this long where they, they had no business competing on the back end. If you looked at their defensive core the last three, four, five years, it's pretty much just him, you know, and you have a ragtag group of guys who they throw money at to hopefully they can fill some gaps, but it hasn't happened. And he's just been the one guy who's, he still logs 25 minutes a night. He still is a stud out there. He's 37 years old. So I don't know. It'd, it'd be neat to dig into his numbers and really just sit, I don't know. He's a very eccentric guy and, He's just kind of neat. Maybe we can get him on the show. Yeah, you should ask him. I remember one story on one of these hockey podcasts. They, I don't know if it's true or not, but they said Kaner obviously loves playing with him. But there was one, I, I want to say Yarmelson, that anytime he was on the ice, Kane just left. He's like, he went on the bench and changed it up. He's like, I don't want nothing to do with him. <laughs> he's just too bad. No, but, he's not bad. Jarmelson, he just up, off the glass. So, oh, he, he never did a tape-to-tape pass. Is that what it is? He blocked a million shots, and he just, you know, went about his day. He never got scored on, but he never got many assists because he just, like, Kaner hated it. He's like, give me the puck, and Chalmerson's just uh, off the boards, out of the the zone. Here we go. Change it up. That's right. That's funny. That's funny. That's why I'm eating peanuts again. All right. But anyways, everybody, thank you for listening. I hope you had a good Valentine's Day. Got a little smooch from your your loved one. I hope you did, too. What's that? I hope you did, too. I did. I've had my same Valentine for the last 15 years now. It's been great. But anyways, everybody, I hope you had a good weekend. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind the scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise, including T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.